Well, I see a few uh, little theologians. I want to talk to you real quickly. We're looking at a passage about Joshua. Surely you've heard of Joshua. But while you're hearing me preach this, uh, these first words in the book of Joshua, little theologians, if you could draw a picture of a doctor giving someone a shot. There you go. It all makes sense now, doesn't it? Uh, by the way, moms and dads, I'm sorry if part of your afternoon is eaten up trying to explain to your little theologian what in the world the pastor meant by that drawing. But I think this one will make sense as we make our way through the passage. Uh, good morning again. Welcome to Covenant Presbyterian Church. We're looking this morning at Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Before we hear this passage, let's pray together. Father, you speak to us. And even though we're dull, hard of hearing, you make yourself known by your Spirit. Father, this is such good goodness. This is wonderful that you would make yourself known to us and that you would provide the strength that we might know you, the Holy Spirit. Would you speak to us as we look at this passage together this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses." from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is the word of our Lord. Is one of those passages where you really do need to get inside the, the heart of Joshua's original audience. You, you, need to, you need to get in their heart. You need to understand uh, what they're uh, expecting as they hear these words coming to them from Joshua. Their hearts couldn't be any more excited. Their hearts are full of expectation. 
They have been yearning for the promised land. They have heard the promised land preached about, talked about for 40 years. Every day, every day during those 40 years, they have thought about the promised land. And here they are. Standing right on the edge of it, they're, they're waiting to go in. They can, they can see it. And all of us, as we look at this passage from Joshua 1, we, we need to have a sense of that great expectation even as we read this passage. Because if you don't have that great expectation, then you're going to miss, well, you're going to miss a little bit of a twist in this passage. You know, isn't there always someone in the crowd who is the cynic? We hear something that's good, we all nod our heads in, in a great affirmation, and then there's always some person in the room, isn't there, who'll say, well, yeah, but what about this? And I need you to let me do that just for a moment. They couldn't be any more excited, this audience of Joshua's. But Joshua says, be strong and courageous. And Joshua says, uh, remember that he will never leave you or forsake you. And Joshua says, don't be frightened or dismayed. Why? Why does he got to say that? The excitement is, is undeniable. Why does he got to say that? Why do I need to hear those words? The promised land is right there. I can smell it. But there's some warnings here that Joshua gives to the people. And, and what I want us to understand in this passage is that this really is a great paradigm uh, of the Christian's daily life. A, a Christian knows that God is with them. A Christian knows that God has a plan for them. Uh, the Christian knows that uh, God has a plan for all things. And, and a Christian knows that this plan is solid. A Christian knows that. And yet... The Christian life is actually hard. There are challenges in the Christian life. Day by day, there's, there's all kinds of uh, unplanned, seemingly unplanned surprises, is that, surprises that unfold all around me. And in fact, uh, sometimes the Christian life, it feels like not merely an uphill battle, it feels like a losing battle. And, and we need to acknowledge that God is sovereignly in control and that he has a plan and all of his plans come to fruition while at the same time we are acknowledging that which we experience as Christians. That life is hard. And in this passage, what we find is we find that exact same paradigm unfolding before the hearers of Joshua. That we know that God brings about his purposes and we know that God's plan will never fail. We can count on it. However, what this passage is telling us is that God, he brings about his purposes in such a way that he also brings about our sanctification. God brings about his great cosmic purposes in such a way that he is mindful of our sanctification. He's not just bringing about great cosmic purposes. He's bringing about your personal sanctification and my personal sanctification. We're going to look in this passage and see three things about the purpose of God. The first is that the, the purpose of God cannot be stopped. That's where we're going to begin. But then we're going to see that the purpose of God, it exposes our weaknesses. And then we're going to see that God's purposes actually sanctify us, make us holy as Christian people. 
Let's begin uh, with God's purpose being the kind of purpose that simply can't be stopped. You just look right in the middle of the passage at verse 4 and you see this is a very big plan. Uh, these people have been living in the wilderness for, uh, for 40 years. And these people, they actually have nothing. But you look at verse 4 and they're about to get all kinds of stuff, aren't they? Verse 4 gives these great uh, boundaries of the territory that God is going to give to them. Uh, Lebanon, if they're standing and and looking over the River Jordan, Lebanon would be uh, up to the right, uh, actually quite a ways. And the Euphrates River would would be behind them, maybe a little bit to the right. And the land of the Hittites, that would be just slightly to the right, the uh, region around uh, Galilee. And then the Great Sea, the Mediterranean, that's some 50 miles uh, dead ahead, uh, right where the sun sets. And this territory was enormous. And in fact, this territory is the absolute maximum territory that is achieved by the people of Israel uh, under the rule of Solomon. But that's a ways down the road. God's plan for this people, it's massive. But not only is this plan uh, large, this plan is unstoppable. And just real quickly, uh, those of you who are note takers will like this. There's actually four ways in this passage that we see that God's plan is unstoppable. The the first thing is, is that time cannot stop God's plan. Time cannot stop God's plan. This plan isn't a new plan. It was promised to Moses uh, long before, but it was also promised to uh, Joseph another 430 years uh, before uh, Moses. And this promise was made to Joseph's dad, Jacob, and to his dad, Isaac, and to his dad, Abraham. God, he hasn't forgotten. Time cannot stop this plan. Secondly, uh, death can't stop this plan either. Uh, This is a a, a wonderful passage, isn't it? Uh, Heard by people with great expectation, but the passage in verse 4 tells us that something great is about to happen, but the passage begins with what? It begins with death. God is telling his people that time can't stop his plan, but death can't stop his plan either. Look in verse 1, after the death of Moses. You don't have to go much further. Look at verse 2. Moses, my servant is dead. I just heard that in verse 1. Why am I being told this twice? And we get the impression that uh, the death of Moses uh, is being mentioned here twice very rapidly, but the death of Moses, it probably didn't happen much long uh, ago. In fact, we look at Exodus 34, we, uh, we can uh, see that uh, Moses, uh, Exodus 34, Deuteronomy 34, we can see that Moses uh, dies, there's a 30-day uh, period of mourning, and then it uh, seems like this passage from Joshua 1.1 opens up. Death's all over this passage. And not only did Moses die, but these people are witnessing the deterioration of their parents. Remember, this is the second generation in the wilderness. There's death all over this passage. It's a good thing, though, that death cannot stop God's plan. You see, the enemies can't stop God's plan, right? There in uh, the first half of verse five, uh, no man shall be able to stand before you. I mean, really, verse five is also about death. It's about the death of the enemies. They won't be able to stand because they will be dead. Not long ago, the people were petrified by the enemies, but the enemies can't stop God's plan. So time... 
Death and enemies can't stop God's plan, but not only, can, not only that, but human faithlessness cannot stop God's plan. Do you hear that? Human faithlessness cannot stop his plan. It's very notable that, in, that God's purpose actually doesn't require human participation. Just track with me in this passage. You maybe, maybe haven't noticed this. Verse 2 is undeniable. How are they going to get this land? One individual, I, I am giving this land. Verse 3, I have given you this land. Also in verse 3, I have promised to give you this land. Verse 4, this shall be, will be your territory. Verse 5, I will be with you. Verse 6, you will inherit what I swore to you. God doesn't need you, and he doesn't need me. Not even human faithlessness can stop the plan and purposes of God. Now, this is not where Joshua lets us stop. This is all true. God's purpose will come about because it is unstoppable. But Joshua wants us to understand by the power of the Holy Spirit that God's purpose actually exposes us. It's unstoppable, but it exposes us. And notice how all of the encouragements that God gives to Joshua, who then gives these encouragements to the people of Israel, all of these encouragements presuppose something negative. When a doctor says to you, you're going to feel a pinch. What does that mean? It means that you're going to be made well. You're going to feel better. I'm here for you. I know what to do. But you're going to feel a pinch. There's a pain that the doctor takes us through in order to get to the health. And that's what I want us to see in this passage. Because Joshua, he's going to experience God's unstoppable plan, but he's going to experience God's unstoppable plan in a way that actually exposes how weak and frail and fragile he is. Let me show you what I mean, and then I'm going to explain it in more detail later. Notice that God prepares Joshua uh, with these various commands, and these, these commands come in pairs. You see, two commands. And these pairs happen three times, two, two, and two. It seems very deliberate. Let me tell you what I mean. Look at verse 5. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. Do you see that pair? I will not leave you. Literally, I will not loosen my grip on you. Nor will I forsake you. I will not abandon you. I want you to just ask why it is that we as Christians need to be explicitly told this. Why do we need to be explicitly told that he'll not loosen his grip on us and that he'll not abandon us? Look at the second pair. This one occurs uh, over and over again. Be strong and courageous. To be strong, this starts in verse 6, but it's in 7 and 9 as well. Uh, to be strong is to hold on tight. And to be courageous is actually to be focused, to be alert. Hold on tight and be focused and alert. I'm just asking the question, but why do we need to be explicitly told this? Let's look at the final pair, verse 9. 
Do not be frightened. That's literally to tremble in terror. It's a very strong word. Do not be frightened. And the next word is actually stronger. Do not be dismayed. Do not be shattered, broken into a thousand pieces. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. Why? Why do we need to be told explicitly to not be frightened or dismayed? Well, these three pairs, they reveal something about Joshua, and they reveal something about the people of Israel, and they reveal something about us. They reveal three temptations to actually deny the goodness of God. You know, in a way, I know I'm using human, human terminology here. It sounds strange uh, even to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, God, he is making assumptions about the Christian life. He, he's making assumptions about how we are going to engage in the Christian life in this uh, present age. Remember, Jesus said over and over again to his disciples that there would be uh, harm and persecution. This is going to be really hard. In his, in his uh, uh, high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, he, he prays that, that God would uh, encourage and comfort and guard and be with the disciples because, well, because life would be hard. God's making assumptions about the Christian life in this present age. Here's the first assumption. When God says he will never leave or forsake us, God is assuming that we might occasionally think or feel that he's loosened his grip on us. Is that true? Christian, have you ever felt that? That maybe God is loosening his grip on me. Or that maybe God has abandoned me. Have you ever felt that? Of course you have. You've felt sometimes when uh, life has been really difficult that, that God, his, his grip is just kind of loosening on you. You need to be reminded he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. But to feel as though maybe he has is denying his great love for us. He loves you. And you may feel that he is loosening his grip, but he will never drop you, never loosen that, that grip. Now let's, let's keep going. Uh, be strong and courageous, Joshua says to the people. It, it seems as though God assumes that we might occasionally loosen our grip on him. And so we need to be told to be strong and courageous. God seems to assume that uh, not only might I occasionally feel as though he has loosened his grip on me and abandoned me, I might occasionally, well, loosen my grip. That I might no longer be alerted to his purpose in my life. Have you ever felt that? Let's take care of the third one and try and tie them together. Joshua says to the people, do not be frightened or, dis or dismayed. God assumes that we might occasionally in our Christian walk tremble in fear. God assumes that we might even occasionally break down in a shattered heap. Have you ever felt that, Christian? Take all of this in. And know that God is not assuming that our life as Christian people in this present age is going to be the kind of life in which we just ride out his plan in great smoothness. Jesus, he's died for us, Christian. 
And our salvation is secure. The battle is won once and for all. That no sin, past, present, or future, will condemn us to hell as Christian people. The Spirit of Christ is with us today, now, intimately. What God has begun in us, He will bring to completion. And we will see Jesus face to face. And we will live with Him forever. But this plan, great and glorious plan of God in this present age, this plan also serves to expose our weaknesses, to show us how needy we are, that occasionally we will deny his love for us because we'll feel as though he's let his grip loose, and that occasionally uh, we will deny his purpose for us and we'll begin to scramble for our own purpose, we'll be distracted, and our grip on him will be loosened. And God knows that we will occasionally deny his very presence with us so that we can just run in fear and fall to the ground. Christianity is a very honest religion because God is a truth teller and he tells us who he is and who we are and he tells us what he is doing and he tells us how we're going to experience what he is doing in this present age. He's honest with us. What this means is that there's no such thing as the superstar Christian apart from Jesus Christ himself. The Christian life is meant to expose our weaknesses. Be very wary if you are slow to say sorry to others and if you are slow to confess your sin to God. God's great cosmic purposes are unstoppable, but those purposes don't just happen in the background so that you can live your life as you see fit. Those cosmic purposes touch you and expose who you are and expose who you need. Here's where we're going with this. God's purpose is unstoppable and his purpose exposes us, but his purpose is sanctification. You see, I want to be really careful here. I I don't want us to think that uh, uh, sanctification uh, happens in exactly the same way as our justification. You see, sanctification uh, is a word that means uh, growing in holiness. And sanctification, it's about how we grow after we become Christians. We don't believe that you work for salvation, that you do good things, and because of those good things, you actually earn salvation. God, he converts us by the power of his Holy Spirit, by grace alone. You cannot make him love you more. You cannot make him love you less. To be in Christ is to forever and always be in Christ. But as is the case in all of life, there's development and there's there's maturity, and this is sanctification. Conversion is an act of God's grace. Sanctification is a work of that grace over time. By the power of the Holy Spirit, God is renewing us, conforming us after his own image, enabling us more and more to die to sin and live unto righteousness. Sanctification is always by grace, and it's never perfect. But sanctification, sanctification is necessary for the Christian life. 
God doesn't simply tell Joshua that his purpose will happen. And he doesn't simply tell Joshua that his purpose will happen and that his purpose will expose his weaknesses. God actually exhorts Joshua. He tells him that his purpose for Joshua actually makes demands upon Joshua's daily life. Think about it this way. Have you ever gone down a a, a snow-covered hill in a, a huge inner tube? Have you ever done that? When you hop into the inner tube and you start going down the hill, you're done. There's nothing you can do. You can't steer that thing. You're just riding down. And sometimes we think about God's purposes like that. You know, I don't have to do anything. It just kind of unfolds like a, like a, a blasting locomotive. But God's cosmic plan actually touches us individually. God works out his plan in such a way that he engages us. God works out his plan in such a way that he grows us. John Calvin speaks very coarsely about this. He says, bare promises are not enough to energize us. We need the additional stimulus of exhortation. Calvin goes even further than this. Calvin says that, look, if Joshua needs to be incited to the performance of duty, how much more necessary you and I God's purposes involve our sanctification. Brothers and sisters, we need to hear this. Because what Joshua says next is he he tells us what it looks like to know that God has not forsaken or forgotten us, to to be uh, strong and courageous, uh, to know that there's nothing to be afraid of. How do we know any of this? Joshua says that we know this by God's word. Look how many times uh, words or phrases show up that, that, that show the, the word of God in the Bible. The law of that Moses, my servant, commanded you. The book of the law, that which is written, that which is attached to what has been sworn. All of these phrases, they show that Joshua is talking about the written word of God. Not only this, as Joshua is speaking, he is speaking what? Did you notice that this whole passage is in quotations? Joshua's not speaking his word. He's speaking God's word to the people. This is what it means to be strong and courageous. It's to know God through his word. Joshua says in verse 7, do what it says. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Be careful to do. Also in verse 7, he says, don't do what it forbids. He says, don't turn from it to the right or to the left. He says, study it regularly. Look at verse 8. Sometimes we get lost on the word meditate. Get lost in the words day and night. Study it regularly, day and night. And then verse 8, speak it continually. It shall not depart from your mouth is a very strange expression. Uh, But Hebrew scholars say that it actually uh, is an idiomatic expression that means the very opposite. That this word must govern every utterance, as one commentator says. Let me just look at that. Uh, Do what the word says. Don't do what the word forbids. Study it regularly. Speak it continually. Now, this is not exactly what we would expect, is it? It's certainly not how we live. When you wonder if God is holding you tight, what do you do? Do you run to the word? When you're distracted and your strength and your courage is non-existent, what do you do? You run to the word? When you're afraid, falling into a heap, do you run to the word? 
when you feel that you're slipping, when you feel that you're losing the battle, and when this feeling has been with you day in and day out, you get up in the morning feeling as though you are slipping and losing the battle. You've grown accustomed to the feeling. Well, what do you do? There are a few things you could do, right? You could spend a little money. Spending money's fun. You make a little money. Sometimes making money's fun. You could drink, get lost in alcohol, binge watch uh, Netflix maybe, binge watch social media, maybe get lost in sports or in a hobby, take that much deserved vacation. Now I'm just picking on you, but I'm picking on me as well. We know what it feels like. We know what it feels like. And Joshua is saying, you need to run to God's word. And, and in uh, Joshua's day, uh, these words would actually uh, point to Jesus. This is all preparation for the Jesus who will be one day revealed. All of these words point to Jesus. And when you sit down with God's word, you actually are engaging a relationship with Jesus. You see, we know that God brings about his purposes, that his plan will never fail, that we can count on it. We know that this purpose includes the second coming, that this purpose includes the transmission of the gospel in this present age. We know that this purpose very often includes kingdom endeavors in our businesses, in our relationships, in our neighborhoods, in our communities. Praise God for his great purposes. But are you praising God for his purpose to expose how frail and fragile you are? And are you grateful for God's purpose to nourish and care for you, to feed you, to embolden you and strengthen you in his holy scripture? Now, let's not forget that he brings about his purpose in a particular way. He brings about his purpose in a way that also brings about our personal sanctification. This is heavy stuff right now, but we're going to enter into the month of January, and everyone's going to be talking about resolutions and something that you need in your life that's new. You don't need something new in your life as a Christian. What you need is to be reminded of what you have in this relationship that comes uh, through God's Word. This is what it's going to take for you to know that He will never leave or forsake you. This is what it's going to take for you to be strong and courageous, and this is what it's going to take for you to not be frightened, and dismayed. This sermon is a reminder of God's purpose for your sanctification. Take this to heart and believe. Would you join me in prayer? Father, this morning we pray that you would fill us with affection for your word, that we would desire to run to you when we feel as though you're loosening your grip on us, or feel as though we are waning in strength and courage, when we feel as though, well, we're just scared to death. Father, you know how to care for us, and we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.